So we're going to be continuing today from the message series, The God Who Sees. And I want to give a special shout out to our folks in San Jose, because week after week, you're proving that you know the way to San Jose. So what I want to do is use as my text, uh, it's going to be 1 Peter 5 and 7. And I'm going to be sharing with you from the subject, Lighten the Load. And this is a pretty short scripture, so if you'll bear with me, I'm just going to say it twice to make sure we get it. 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Let me say that again. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, the scripture doesn't really have a lot of credibility unless we base it on a particular assumption. And the assumption, the fundamental assumption that we have to base it on is my primary point, which is we serve a personal God. Now, as Christians, we pretty much take that for granted. But we have to acknowledge that there are other, you know, schools of thought that look at God differently. They look at God as being an impersonal force that governs the universe. And we know that you know, there's Star Wars has contributed to some of that because, you know, in the Star Wars movies, there is this energy that permeates everything, this all powerful energy. And they call it the force. And it's completely impartial, but it can be manipulated for good or it can be manipulated for evil, depending upon who is doing the manipulation. And so as a result, people, a lot of times they considered the universe and God to be synonymous. Um, and the, the universe has its own set of rules, its own uh, set of mysterious and random uh, unknown factors. Uh, and for instance, if you, we see this every day. So for instance, if you uh, say would tell a friend and you told your friend that you had a, a fender bender, and you were kind of bummed out about it. Chances are your friend would be sympathetic about it, but then they may say something like, well, um, everything happens for a reason, so don't worry about it. Now, if you would ask them what the reason is, they would not be able to tell you the reason. Matter of fact, they would be completely clueless about the reason. Matter of fact, they would be as clueless as the woman who got a new cell phone and she wanted to text and she was texting and she was having a great time in texting until she got to the point where she sent a question. And when she sent a particular question, she got back an answer that frustrated her. She didn't know what it meant. And she would send it out again and every time she would get back the same answer. So she decided that she would ask her nephew because she was new to the texting thing. And so she asked her nephew, she said, look, I send out this question and all the time I get back the same answer. And it's like some kind of code. I don't know what it means, but the code that I get back is just three letters. And the letters are I, D, K. What does that mean? And her nephew said, I don't know. 
And she said, see, now that's exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody knows. I'm talking about being clueless, you know, people being clueless about what is happening in their lives. And so what I'm saying is that rather than to try to expect the universe to provide answers, that you should look to the almighty God who created the universe for answers. Look to the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that everything that happens to you, you're going to be able to find a scripture for that. But what I am saying is that there are certain spiritual principles that are built into the word of God. And once you begin to be familiar with those principles, then you can have a better understanding of some of the things that happen in your life because they're not random and they're not always mysterious, but they are found in the word of God. Let's look at another scripture that talks about a principle in the Bible. We're talking about Matthew chapter 7, and this is verse 7 and 8. And it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You see, that is a spiritual principle, asking, seeking, knocking. So when we begin to pray in faith, when we begin to pray in the will of God, we begin to see the results of what we pray for. So when you see those results, it's not a random thing. It's not a mysterious thing, but it's a direct correlation between what we pray for, what we ask God for, and what we receive, what we receive as a result of those prayers. Now, the second point that I wanted to make, it has to do more with the scripture that we've read as our focus text. So the scripture says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. Now, I want to just kind of break that up, kind of divide it in half. Let's look at the first part of that scripture. Give all your worries and cares to God. The point that I want to make in this is that we serve an almighty God. Now, the word all that's exactly what it means. It means all. But some people don't treat it as if it really means all. Why? Because it seems like they want to divvy things up. In other words, they want to tell God, okay, well, I think I can handle this part. You don't need to get involved in this, but this mess I've made over here, that's the part that I need you to jump on, okay? They want to give it. They don't want to give it all to God. They kind of treat God as if he's a computer and that if you put too much data in the computer, then it's going to start slowing up. It's going to cause snags. And God may not be able to handle all of those things that you give him. And it, it kind of reminds me of a situation that I had. I had a computer that was running slow. I tried to open it and it would take forever and open, 
to open, I try to open programs that take forever in a day. And you know how annoying it is to get that little circle that keeps twirling and nothing happens and you're sitting back. You go get a drink of water and you come back and it's still twirling. So that's what I was experiencing. So I said, okay, I need to take this in and see what's going on. So I took it in to the tech and he diagnosed it. And he said, Mr. Ware, the problem that you're having is that you don't have enough memory. You, you know, you need to add more memory because all the things that you're trying to do, it can't process it with the memory that you have. And I said, oh, okay, let's add some more memory. So I did that and I took it home and turned on the computer and I was amazed as to all of a sudden it was like almost having a new computer. I mean, this thing was getting up, it was going, you know. Uh, but a lot of people treat God like that, like he's a computer and that they, you know, he, he cannot handle. But look at, look at what the scripture says about how mighty and powerful that our God is. So if we look at Luke chapter 18, verse 27, and it says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Psalms 24, verse seven and eight, it says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Let's look at Isaiah 40, verse 28 and 29. It says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. Jeremiah 32 and 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the earth. Is there anything too hard for me? And then in Revelations 1 and 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is and was and which is to come the almighty. So our God is a powerful God. He understands what's happening with us. We can't tell him too much to overload him. Uh, we don't have to try to divvy things up. He's able to handle whatever it is that we send his way because he is an almighty God. Now, the last part of my focus uh, verse, it says, for he cares about you. We're encouraged to give all of our worries and cares to God because he cares about us. We can actually substitute and say, God loves us because that would be equally true. Matter of fact, it's very true. God is a God that loves us, and he's a God that loves us with a great emotion. Now, we are children of God, and he is our heavenly parent. God does not practice 
abandonment. Because even in our society with all of the problems that we have and all of the human flaws and failure, even our society, our human society recognizes the devastating impact that abandonment can have on children. And so the states have instituted different penalties depending on the state as to what uh, is gonna be done for people that abandon their children. And they can be jail time or it can be fines or sometimes it's both. Um, and for certain, there are thousands of children each year that are abandoned in the country. Now, I know that um, there may be some of you watching this message right now, and you, I mentioned abandonment, and so you're starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable because maybe you have had your own personal experience with abandonment. And, and maybe... Uh, somebody that is seated next to you or, or maybe across the aisle from you right now on the San Jose campus, they are experiencing some PTSD symptoms because for them also, they are having some tremors and trauma with abandonment. Because abandonment can be a terrible thing and it can last well into your adulthood. There are people who cannot have normal relationships now because they kind of avoid them because they don't want to be abandoned in that relationship or just the opposite sometimes happens. They put so much of a dependence on that relationship. They're clinging, extra clinging to that relationship because they're afraid of being abandoned. Let me share my story for a moment with abandonment because I've, I've experienced some abandonment uh, in my life. So I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was raised by my aunt, my father's sister. And the reason that I was raised by her is because my mother died in childbirth with me. I never knew her. Now, my aunt was not planning on raising me. She did not live in Philadelphia. She lived in California. But she was out here to help. She was out, I should say, in, in Philadelphia to help uh, to watch myself and my two uh, sisters. But when my mom died, she had promised my mom that she would take care of us. And that's exactly what she did. So my father was certainly there in the home, but he was not able to nurture me as a baby. It took my aunt to play the mother role and nurture me as a baby. And she did that. She made a sacrifice for years. She stayed in Philadelphia to raise me to a certain point. And probably, I'm saying probably about maybe the fourth or fifth grade, she told us that she had to go back to California. And that was, for me, completely devastating because she was the only mother that I ever knew. And even though I knew where she was going, why she was going, and we were able to stay in communication, yet it was not a good thing. There was a hole in my heart for a long time. She came back later to spend some time in later years, and, and that was fine. But for that period of time, I was just completely 
devastated and felt a sense of abandonment. Now, I know that my situation is not necessarily the same as yours. Maybe yours was, was a lot more painful, but I get it. I know about the feeling. So what I want to say to you is that our God is not a parent that abandons his children. Now, just listen to some things that the word of God says about God's faithfulness and about his dependability. So Psalms 27, verse 10, it says, even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you and he will neither fail you nor, there's that word again, abandon you. And then in Hebrews 13 and 5, it says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God is faithful. God is an emotional lover, and he expresses his emotions in a lot of ways that we don't normally even think about. For instance, God dances over us. I'm not sure if you knew that or not, but God's excited about it. He dances over us. If you read in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, this is what it says about God. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Now, that word rejoice is a, it's a Hebrew word. And I can't even begin to <laughs> pronounce the word, but I know what it means. I've looked it up. And basically the word means to do several things. It means to sing, it means to dance, it means to skip, it means to leap, it means to spin around with joy. That's how excited and how emotional our God is uh, over us. And actually, it kind of reminds me of in uh, the book of Acts, in around chapter 16, where it talks about Paul and Silas. Now, Paul and Silas had gone to a town and they were sharing the gospel and they upset some people there. And the rulers of that town, first of all, had them severely flogged, had them put in jail. And they didn't just put them in jail. They put them into the deepest part of the jail. And the scripture says that around midnight, that Paul and Silas began to sing. And they began to sing songs of praise to God. And it said that all of the prisoners heard them. And it says that suddenly there was a great earthquake and all the doors of the prison flew open. Now, think about why did that happen? I don't know about you, but in my sanctified mind, I think it happened because God, the same God that we just read about, 
who dances and sings and spins around over us, I believe that when he heard these songs and realized that these guys who had been treated so badly because of him and they were not ashamed of it because they were singing these songs in the presence of the other prisoners, God would begin to get excited. He began to get happy and he began to get with those songs, I believe. And then when he started hearing those songs of praise being lifted up, I think that God started nodding his head and I think God began to pat his feet. And when he began to pat his feet, I think the earth started shaking and the doors of the prison started flying open and probably some other things that the Bible didn't even mention that got shook up because that's the kind of God we serve. God is a God who loves us with a very strong, intense, and emotional love. And just remember this. This is what I want you to take with you, that God loved you from the very beginning of time. He's committed to you. And he wants you to know that forever is a long time, but that's how long he'll love you. Amen. Be blessed.